We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Danny and Dusty. My Uncle Gus is the uncle that likes to work the grill. As soon as he walk in the house, he's like, get away from that grill. You don't know how to stop no fire. With the latest on the Blazers, Ducks, Beavers, and the hottest topics in sports. We're going to eat a hamburger, okay? Here we go. Chad, throw the match. Now that's a fire. Danny and Dusty on the Odyssey app and 1080. I'm not cooking a brontosaurus burger. The Fan. Hour number two, Danny and Dusty. No, Danny. Uh, we're still trying to reach out to Danny right now. Oh, we got him. I think we got him. I think we got him. Um, we were talking Blazers. We're going to see where they're at right now um, because feels like that six-game road trip was it, my man. And uh, going two and four on it, losing the last three. The way that you lost in Philly and then the way that you lose in New Orleans to wrap it up. Um, it just felt like it was maybe we, we saw that final wind go out of the Blazers' sails. So we bring him on now. Danny Meringue, what's up, my dude? Hello, hello, hello. Yeah. How are you feeling? Yeah. Ah, uh, I had a, had a little, little bit of a rough night, but um, I'm, I'm okay. Um, I think I'm still in better shape than the Blazers are right now. That may be the most blunt criticism and harshest that I have ever heard you say of the Portland Trailblazers because you, my friend, are, are in a bed and stuck in a bed right now. Yeah, and you know, so much of, of what I've talked about this season is what was going to happen post-All-Star break. It was, I, I mean, we belabored the point. Six-game road trip, six-game road trip, six-game road trip. Let's see where they are after six games. Ah, mm. uh, they're cooked. <laughs> yeah, not going well, huh, Bob? No, I, I mean, I, I, I flashed the bat signal last night, man. I, I, I put up the tank gift last night. You know? It felt like it. It, it felt yeah. like it felt like that was. It felt like that first quarter. Um, well, even before the game, you know, when Dame goes out with a right calf strain after you blow that twenty-one point lead in uh, Philly, you know, yeah. then Dame has the, the right calf strain, which is something he had earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. similar to Nurk, who had a calf strain, and then he missed an extended period of time. Um, when that happened, and then you see how the first quarter played out, we've seen this team, you know, when when Dame isn't playing, put up that fight, especially, you know, having Ant there. But when Trey Murphy is going off and, and dropping, you know, 40 on you in the way that first quarter where they score 40 in the first, it did feel like that was the final win coming out. Yeah, the the Philly game, they came out with all kinds of fight. And and really, uh, the the 
Philly getting back in that game and, and Philly winning that game, I didn't feel like Portland let down. I just felt like Philly was incredibly good. Embiid was so good down the stretch. Um, it was just, you know, it's an MVP caliber player doing what he does. I like those guys. And, yeah, they're really good. Useful. <laughs> I want one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I thought you saw kind of what you – kind of envision the Blazers being where Dane, it wasn't Dane doing everything. It yeah. was, Ant, it was Cam, it was Tease, it was Jeremy. You had trended. Like it was this, there was just stuff everywhere. And it was like, ah, this is what this is supposed to look like. And that, that meltdown, I, and I hate putting this on him just because it's, it's more than just this, but missing four straight free throws mm. by Nurk. It just sapped every bit because you hit one, you yeah. hit one free throw, but literally just one. That's all you need at those four. It's the Blazers likely win, yeah. and the 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 way that just that the wheels fell off like that, um, and then in B hitting that shot, it was just that was that was it. And, and I felt like had they had they won that game, had they had they beat Philly. I feel like the Blazers probably try to let Dane go uh, against New Orleans. And honestly, they probably ride the high of beating Philly. They come out probably a lot differently than they did against New Orleans. So yeah. They have a chance to get that game. Well, yeah, and yeah. If you, if you win that, if you win that then you're talking about a 4-2 and two road trip going yep. into that New Orleans instead of 2-4, and four, which yeah, that is a – we talk about this all the time. Extended road trips, 500 is good. Yeah. 500 and is you, good. You go four and two on that road trip. I, I did the math on it the other night or after the game, and I was like, they would have been like fifth or sixth, depending on where it was that night. I was like, they would have been in it. Hmm. They, they would have been right there. And then you were like, okay. But you you fall on your face like yeah. that after the, the the Philadelphia game. Yeah. I. They're done. Okay. They're done. Let's talk about this then. Um, let's. So when we're looking at injuries, you know, Nurk obviously calf, and um, that's been a bugaboo on him. Damian mm-hmm. Lillard, and what's the severity of of? Just give me an overall look at the injuries because we had Jeremy Grant getting poked in the eye. Is there any update oh, yeah. to Justice Winslow? Like, there's a lot that happened uh, over this weekend. Yeah, so obviously Ant's back, um, and you know, played in the last two games of the road trip. And he looked great. Um, I, I haven't heard anything about him beating additional rest. Um, Nurk, I mean, him getting back on the floor was number one, surprising. Number two, he looked lighter than he – he looked like he was down 15, 20 pounds. Yeah. Um, that was what was incredible about that. Um, I haven't heard anything about him being, having his, his, his minutes restriction changed or anything along those lines. Dames, I know he's been dealing with – like he kind of rolled it and – Stubbed it. His whole right leg has just kind of been kind of a mess for a couple of weeks. Mm. Um, but he's just been playing through it. it. Hasn't been something that's been serious. But the calf strain becomes a bit more serious um, because it's his calf, um, and that has kind of lingered throughout the season. Um, they haven't said anything specific about that. They got home, I think, about two o'clock this morning. I would imagine Dane's been getting treatment all day, and we'll probably hear a little bit about it. Uh, probably hear in about ten minutes. I would imagine. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't see them pushing him back at, at any time. Um, well, he's going to push back. Going. I know, I know, but them, I don't yeah. see them trying. No, no, trying to um, get him out there unless he's one hundred percent healthy. We had this question though uh, coming in, and you know, 
I, I I go down the road of look, the guy is not playing with a, a full arsenal, but we have seen a lot of blown leads from this Blazers team. We know last year when they were tanking, they set the record for, you know, 30-point losses and all that stuff. 15 of them. Yeah, that was a lot. But you have mm-hmm. a, a lot of double-digit leads that have been blown. And this is going on around, those. around the NBA this year. But uh-huh. with the Blazers, it seems to be a common theme. And, you know, I, I think Chauncey Billups... There's only so many adjustments you can make when your roster is so limited. How do you feel, mm-hmm. though, about the way that this has has played out with the, the way that double-digit leads have gone for Portland? Yeah, it's 16 blown double-digit leads. So if you let's just say they get half those. Like yeah. eight of them. Mm-hmm. Just eight of them. They're, what, 39 wins right now? <laughs> they're, 30, they're 39 and 29. Yeah. How does that look? That looks that good. Looks a little different. Looks really good. I think I think that puts him fourth. Yeah, and that that is, but that to me, on one point, it is. Yeah, the Blazers don't make a, a lot of great adjustments when a team gets rolling and they figure something out and they go downhill. But I also go with what do you want him to do? Like what 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 do they you do when you lack size and back 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 court uh, size and defense? What was that? Sorry. No, I said they, they also built the double digit lead. Yeah, that is true. Like, I was actually having this exact discussion with somebody last night, and it's a question that I want to. You know, unfortunately, I'm not in the building to ask on the road trip. And number two, I'm I'm laid up. But it's a it's a question that I want to ask Chauncey. Like the idea of how do you look at the situation and where you guys are at, and look at the fact that you guys have lost sixteen games where you had a double-digit lead. And I know the NBA is different and all those things, but where do you kind of land at when you talk about, hey, we built this lead, which means you probably game-planned incredibly well coming in. You mm-hmm. came in with a good game plan, but you're unable to adjust. Is that because you the your bench group lacks personnel? Is it because you lack rim protection? Is it because you, you don't have that chess piece, so to speak, to make those adjustments? Or is that on you not being able to, to make those adjustments on, on time? Is that like, and I think that's, I think those are fair questions to ask. Um, I, I, I'm very tired of the, it's all Chauncey's fault. I, I don't think Chauncey's this great coach. I think he's a coach in his second year dealing with a lot of different things. Like I, that's, that's what he is. I don't, I don't think he's Greg Popovich. But at the same time, I don't think he's the worst coach we've ever seen. Um, but the, the question is for the Blazers is, you know, do they go into this offseason? Is Chauncey going to be their guy? Let's say the Blazers go make a massive trade. Is Chauncey the guy that they, they think is going to be able to lead that team? Any time that, you know, things like that are brought up too, and that's that's a legitimate question. I mean, but it is you better have a damn good answer to it. Like who's yes. go, who's going to be better, and and that is like anybody. Anybody could be really, because would, do you know who that is going to be? And that becomes a bigger question. Like that, the the entire tenure of Chauncey Billups has been tumultuous. The way mm-hmm. the way he was hired, the first six months of that, like once that dust settles, and then Neil O'Shea gets fired. And then it is you finally right after that a month and a half later, you trade away 
the the second best player on the team, and it is mm-hmm. hard reset to to give yourself flexibility, and then you're coaching a team that's tanking for the rest yeah, of the and year. And none of those. What would he got? Trenton Watford, Drew Eubanks are the only guys of that team that were viable yeah. members of the roster yeah. this season because the star players hurt, and he's got he gets ab surgery lost in there, and then you you go and you start this season. Ten and four with healthy pieces, though still not the top eight in the rotation, right? And then all yeah. of a sudden, injury, injury, injury just starts piling up, and it's one step forward and two step back, two steps back. Literally, one you you get one guy back, and then somebody else leaves. <laughs> you know, like we mm-hmm. saw it this weekend. You get Ant back in Philly, and then you lose Damon New Orleans. Like that has been the yeah. story of the season and the story of his tenure. And so that's where I go. Like, like I don't know. I do not know what Chauncey Billups is going to be like with a with a legitimate NBA roster, with a legitimate NBA roster to compete for uh-huh. a, a a top five playoff spot. Okay, and then in a in the moment in a big game, I don't know what he would he would want to do because this roster is so limited right now that all of those adjustments, those quick decisions that you make. I think a lot of them are just acts, and, and this is a very tough thing to do as a coach when you're like, I know what I should do, but I can't put my guys in that position because they will fail, right? Yeah, exactly. You, you get like, uh, and somebody asks, well, why is Cam Reddish inbounding the ball? And I'm like, who else do you want inbounding? <laughs> and that that last play against the, the 76ers, yeah. I was like, do you want it inbounding? No, you want him on the catch. Do you want Dave inbounding? No, you want him on the catch. Like we've had Jeremy inbound a couple times this season, and you know, I believe it was Jeremy that got hit with a five-second call. And maybe you in like it's like, do you want Nurk out there like inbounding, like, it, or do you want him screening? It was just like yeah. it. There wasn't a good option. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't like. I I I, I don't know. And that's that's the hard part. That is the very hard part. Will it be Matisse Thibel moving forward? Maybe. Maybe maybe he is because well, he's a cerebral guy. You know, but here's the thing: just about about choices and decisions. One of the things that Terry got killed for, and I and I, I agree with it for to an extent, was that he was unwilling to try things. Yeah, they 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 were dead last in the league in what they call um, defensive scheme efficiency, which means they're the the least likely to try things. Like they went drop covers. That's all they did. Chauncey, in his almost two years now, is fourth in the NBA which means he blitzes, he traps, he hedges, he runs zone, he runs multiple zones, he runs two, one, two, two, threes, three, twos. Like, there's, I think, only, like, Nick Nurse, uh, Spo, and um, Willie Green, I think, the only coaches that are, like, running more um, defensive systems. Yeah. So for all, for all of this, like, well, Chauncey doesn't make adjustments. I'm like, well, he makes adjustments. <laughs> Just some of them may not work. Like, that's, <laughs> yeah. like, but this whole idea of of him of you know the Blazers need to try this like Chauncey tries a lot and not only that he tries a lot with rotations mm-hmm. like uh, with the exception of this year little which I'm still unsure of how that whole situation is going how many guys are in the lineup are like not getting a fair shake at, at you know getting minutes and getting opportunities yeah I, yeah there, I mean there is a like th- there are people that want more Nas and more uh, sharp. Right. But yeah, at the same time, I went and I looked this up. Nasir Little is has played the 10th most minutes of any rookie in the NBA this year. Raw minutes. 
and he's played in. Or what? What, what did I say? What I said? You said this year. Oh no, no. Shaden Sharp has played the tenth yeah. most raw minutes of any rookie in the NBA this year, and he is he's played in sixty-seven games, which only Matherin in Indiana has played the exact same amount. Like. He's yeah. getting a lot of minutes for a rookie, and they may not be in critical moments, but he's not ready for critical moments. And he's not going to win the Blazers any more games. And Nasir Little has no. been, always been a roller coaster with his health, and I think they're trying to manage that too because they do have him under a, a, a contract moving forward. You know? Yeah, no, and that's a, that's a big thing. Like if you look at it, <laughs> um, last time I, I charted it was a couple weeks ago. Shin was on pace to, to play uh, Ant's rookie and sophomore year minutes combined. <laughs> so, like, and again, that's what I mean. And again, this isn't to, like, extol Chauncey and say he's the greatest coach. It's just, like, when you're being critical of, of him and you're, you're doing your assessments, yeah. just look at what's actually out there. Like, if you want to be critical of something, what what exactly are you being critical of? Because I think those are the same discussions that the Blazers are going to have this summer. Um, and, and I don't think that they're that anybody's sitting down and like looking to fire him. Um, but if the Blazers are going to make huge personnel moves, I think that they do need to evaluate that and decide if you know if they get. Let's say they make a move for a star, and they're all, all of a sudden a team that's ready to, to compete. Do they believe that Chauncey's a team that's the guy's going to be really ready to take that team into that? next stage that next era and so as you evaluate your roster i think you evaluate your coaching staff um i think the same thing that they do they should probably do with their assistants as well yeah all right uh how do you feel about jimmy garoppolo being your quarterback (sighs) why why yeah yeah well because uh Derek carr didn't want to be there and apparently Aaron Rodgers didn't want to (laughs) either I know it's, it's all. <laughs> I saw uh, uh, Field Yates tweeted out last night um, the salary cap or the the cap figures for all the teams, and I looked at it and I went, "Oh, that's that's great." And it's definitely not. Uh, I've never seen the Raiders with a bunch of cap space do anything stupid. No. So, no. <sighs> well, at Here least we it's go. team friendly. At least it's team friendly. It's team friendly. Yeah, well. All right. Mm-hmm. All right, Danny, we'll talk to you tomorrow, my man. Yes, sir, brother. You all take care. All right, later. Danny Morang, um, he's the Danny of Danny and Dusty. Yep. Yep. Uh, we had a good long talk. We went way over. Uh, we got the latest on uh, the NFL's free agency period, though. Uh, coming up next, Danny and Dusty on the fan. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, 126 on your Monday. Make sure you, if you're in your car, you have changed your clock in your car. Because, boy, was that a surprise when I was thinking I was an hour late. (laughs) 
All right. Uh, latest in uh, NFL free agency, Rahia. We have uh, the Bears, which have like a bajillion dollars. I feel that's the official number in free agency to spend. I think they're actually pretty close to $100 million. Um, they signed Tremaine Edmonds, the linebacker from Buffalo, to a four-year $72 million deal, $50 million guaranteed. I will be very interested to, to track these Chicago nah, Bears. After what they were able to do on Friday with that get uh, getting rid of the first pick overall, they have positioned themselves very well. And I don't know Ryan Poles. I don't know if he's actually thinking this way. But in a in a draft where there's more questions about quarterback this year than there than there ever have like than they are for next year's draft, he has positioned himself to be in a position where they have a top ten pick still this year when when dealing that to Carolina. They get a I mean, it's basically a number a first round pick in getting DJ Moore back because you have a veteran receiver that can be a go to guy. You can uh, pair him with Mooney and Claypool along with Cole Komet, and you actually have a decent little receiving core now. And you have a number one that has versatility. In DJ Moore, you can use him inside outside. He is a, he is a Swiss Army knife, and so he's not just a, a one dimensional receiver. And you can get an idea of if Justin Fields is going to be your guy or not. I mean, they need to improve that offensive line dramatically, and I think they've—I uh, don't think they've made a move on the O line yet, unless something just happened that I missed. But they need to improve the offensive line, and they need weapons for Fields so he we can get an idea of what he is in the NFL as a passer. Uh, he he just didn't have it last year. Now you got a little bit more balance, but more importantly is that you have a top 10 pick this year, and they may not be done. They may want to move back in the draft even one more time this year, which that would be quite the move um, because if you just continue to uh, compile assets, what that means is this year, after your evaluation of Justin Fields, you can sit there and go, not our guy, and you can now use all of this draft capital that you're compiling by moving back and getting, you already have two first-round picks for next year, then you can be in a position to where if it doesn't work out with Justin Fields, that means you guys aren't very good. And so you'll have a high draft pick, and oh, by the way, you're going to have Carolina's draft pick, and that division is going to be bad. So they'll get some wins that they probably don't deserve. But at the same time, Carolina ain't going to be in the the 20s or 30s in their draft position next year. So you're going to have two picks that you can move up if you want Caleb Williams then you can go and get him. And you can put yourself in a position to go get the number one pick. And that's a brilliant move by the Bears. I can't believe those words came out of my mouth. But it was a brilliant move. And I know everybody's like, oh, it it was a little bit early and they could have gotten more. Could you have gotten more? Because you got a first-round pick, essentially, in DJ Moore. And you get him one for next year. And look... You're moving the number one overall pick. Like that, let them roll the dice on on a quarterback that's that's more or less unproven. So, um, I think it's really smart what what the Bears are doing. I, I want the Bears to be good. Ish, ish, yeah. But now they go and they get Tremaine Edward Edmonds at linebacker. He's good. That's a big pickup. It's a very good pickup for their defense. Um, all right. So the Bears. What would be even better is. 
if Carolina ended up trading the number one overall pick now. Like somebody comes knocking on their door, and we just have this revolving door of the number one pick just exchanging hands over and over again. Because they did it with enough time to where if a team becomes desperate enough, Jets, um, then they may get a sweetheart of a deal and uh, send that thing off too. I mean, that would be great if that could happen. Um, Okay, let's get to our worst day on the web. You'll never guess what the plan was for the FBI to bring down college basketball. Like, seriously, you won't guess what their plan was. And the Dusty on the fan. Here's Ross with SportsCenter. It's time for today's worst day on the web. With Danny and Dusty on Odyssey and 1080 The Fan. Man, that sucks. All right, our worst day on the web today, we go to the Los Angeles Times, where they've got a, it is a lengthy, but it is a very fascinating read on, we all remember this, the FBI's investigation into college basketball that led to the firing and arrest of coaches at USC, Arizona, Oklahoma State, and like, remember, uh, Adidas executives were, were caught up in this as well. He's called the Ballers, and they. I, I re- vividly remember the. I don't know who it was. He was like the Manhattan uh, director of, of the FBI, with his presentation and his big uh, boards on the on the easels, and he was pointing to him, and he, he like looked at the camera, and he said, "We have your playbook," you know, to all the coaches out there, and we were like, "Whoa!" We were like, "Is the FBI really taking down college basketball?" This. Uh, article in the New York Times by Nathan Fenno is really detailed and it is really long. But where they get the hooks in is this. Remember, this investigation into the college hoop scandal and how coaches would be funneling players to agents illegally um, by taking bribes from from businessmen who would say, hey, I want you to have this athlete sign with this agent when he's done, yada, yada, yada. Like, that's why these guys were being taken down. And all this business was done in Las Vegas. And the details are just kind of outlined in this article. But where they get the hooks in you is the FBI went to Las Vegas with $135,000. And their plan was to, they rented the penthouse at the Cosmo, they installed cameras in the room, and basically what they did is partied their balls off and talked to basketball coaches and handed them envelopes full of cash, okay? That, like, when it says, like, they had a plan, that was their plan, was that basically their plan was to just get them trashed and just tell them, hey, I want this kid to sign with... You know, my agent, my guy, here's an envelope full of money. And that's it. Great plan. Fantastic plan. (laughs) There's a lot of problems within this. Is that a lot of it wasn't detail-oriented enough to go down the roads of... Most of these cases, guys have been fired. They've lost their jobs. Uh, but a lot of these cases have been dismissed, and no head coach has been charged yet. 
as a result. And they were this is six years ago. This all happened. And they probably won't. In fact, it, this was supposed to be the case that changed college basketball forever. It may have. But basically what is happening now is NIL, which makes all of this money changing hands a moot point. Right. <laughs> so it was right. It did. But nobody has been fired, even though they apparently have these wiretaps and, and guys on, on the line. But what it does say in this is that uh, the um, the lead aid, lead case agent, Scott Carpenter, okay, on the final day of this investigation, uh, this was how uh, locked in these guys were in part of their $135,000 plan. They were distributing cat envelopes with like, you know, $10,000, $30,000 worth of cash to these, these coaches. Well, um, when the sting concluded, it was at a cabana poolside mm-hmm. which had a $1,500 food and beverage minimum. <laughs> so after the last envelope of cash goes out to um, a, a coach, the lead case agent comes down and to celebrate, apparently this dude drank a fifth of vodka, <laughs> Whoa! went back up to the room to take a shower Okay, uh-huh. at the Cosmo. While he's in there, he's like, you know what? I'm gonna grab ten grand out of the safe here. Goes down, gambles it away, baby. <laughs> Man. Well, yeah, we all make poor decisions when we're drunk, right? I I, I guess so. I <laughs> not guess to the tune so. of ripping off the federal government, but uh, no. But it, as this it, the, the article, it's really long, and it is it's actually a ri- it's a riveting read uh, because it it goes into. All of the layers of it, right? And how they thought all of this stuff was going to change and how they got kind of in bed with some of these seedy individuals, which we can all just say, yes, some, a lot of these guys are, you know, they're kind of, they're in coaching for the wrong reasons. But um, what they did was not nearly enough to bring true criminal charges to a, a lot of the, uh, I guess the the players involved in this, and I don't mean basketball players. I mean the coaches and, and executives and youth basketball AAU types um, that that had their whole worlds kind of tipped upside down. Um, they didn't do enough to to land them in prison. And w- where you kind of find out in this LA Times article is that the, these agent, well, the lead agent, he had his demons, man, and he was fighting them. Um, uh, and obviously, the fifth of vodka is a salacious headline, but he was he was battling his his alcoholism and his reliancy um, on alcohol to get him through days because of PTSD type stuff. And it, it's a it's a really intricate read. But the main point of it is that this was supposed to be something that changed college athletics. This was to be something that was going to send people behind bars for a very long time because. Uh, they were disregarding the law. And what ultimately was found was that they spent, you know, $135,000 of taxpayer money in the suite at the Cosmo with very little results to show for it, except for maybe now that's what pushed us towards the name, image, and likeness era in college sports. Yeah, it seems like kind of a big, lengthy investigation just to kind of go bust. I would say so. Yeah. I would say so. FBI is having a, a rough day of the, after this L.A. Times article. But, it, I mean, in I'm giving you a, a very Cliff Notes version because it, it is. It's really long, but it is really good. 
And when you see these headlines kind of going around that uh, the FBI uh, went and spent $135,000 in Vegas and drank a fifth and gambled ten grand away, it, that is true. When you get into the kind of the nuts and bolts of it, you you truly see why it it felt it all kind of fell apart, is because they didn't really get that whole hell of a lot. And guess what? The public forgot about it. The public forgot about it so fast that the pressure just wasn't there to keep up on all of it. And we went through about twenty scandals every day during this time. Think about that. Six years ago, man, college basketball investigation. Was so low on the totem pole of 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 big of actual salacious events that have happened in the last six years that no nobody forgot about that. Yeah, I mean we we we're just it got lost in the shuffle, both uh, in the public eye and then on the political level too. You don't get political traction if you know the the public doesn't care about it. So it was kind of just this lost cause that, but at the time. I remember how big of a deal that was, man. It was a huge, huge deal. Yeah, because everybody was thinking like, okay, this is finally going to, you know, this is <laughs> going to bust it all open. Yep. Figure out where all the bodies are buried. We didn't. We didn't. I mean, think of it. They had Will Wade from LSU, who actually was just hired at McNeese State. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had, we thought that they had Sean Miller dead to rights. He's back in the tournament at, at Xavier. You had... Uh, Bill Self, who's uh, his Kansas Jayhawks are the number one overall seed. They were they're defending national champions. <laughs> <laughs> like we thought that all these guys, Andy Enfield at USC, he was supposed to fall in this. They're back in the tournament right now. They got nothing out of an investigation that apparently the FBI uh, uh, they got their party on though. And still got good uh, reviews in their in, in their annual reviews. Even after gambling away ten grand of the federal government's money. Details, you know, just minor details. Go check it out though. L.A. Times. Um, it's an article, a really good one about um, the FBI and their wild Vegas weekend, which stained an investigation into NCAA basketball corruption. Uh, I mean. Eh, is it worse that he gambled it away, or I mean, like if he would have gone and got like gotten a hooker with that money? You know, <laughs> he drank a fifth of vodka. He's not making good decisions, anyways. <laughs> well, I don't know. He was already screwing the uh, general, the taxpayer public. Hello. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> I like this. Maybe we should try to get Nathan Fenno on. What a great week for this to drop too. Hey, you ready? <laughs> Let's get attorney going. All right, uh, 503-864-6326. That's the fan text on our worst day on the web uh, goes to uh, the FBI, of, of all people. I didn't see that, that. I didn't see that coming. Did not see that coming. All right, I got, uh, we've got some free agency news that, that continues to go on. All eyes are on Aaron Rodgers, who's not a free agent, but may be traded at any given moment. Uh, we also have our uh, NCAA tournament stuff that we need to get to. Uh, the, the the strategy to fill out your bracket. How many upsets? Where do you? What do you look at when filling out your bracket as your go-to? I think we can crowdsource a good enough feel where we can all 
we can all have uh, a, a little bit more knowledge for when we fill out the one in 9.2 con- quintillion odds of a perfect bracket. We're going to do it this year. We're going to do it this year. This is Danny Dusty on the fan. I remember next hour we'll be giving away a pair of tickets to the Wu-Tang Clan and Nas at Moto Center, October 17th. Listen for your cue to call next hour. Also, quick reminder that we're Fan Madness is back two weekends. Two weekends! Brought to you by Laurelwood Brewing Company. Uh, Thursday and Friday of this week, we'll be at the Stadium Sports Bar at ALNA. And so come on out. We'll be there from noon till 7, probably a little bit after that. Uh, and we'll be taking in all the action from out there um, at the sports book at ALNA. And then the following week, Thursday and Friday, Thursday, March 23rd, we'll be at X Golf Tualatin. Friday, X Golf Vancouver. Uh, you can watch games live and play in nationwide X Golf St. Patty Scramble. So uh, we'll be Alan A this week, Thursday, Friday. Next week, Thursday, Friday, X Golf Tualatin on Thursday, X Golf Vancouver on Friday. It's all brought to you by uh, Laurelwood Brewing Company, crafting community since 2001, and also uh, video only is, is is bringing it to you. We'll see you Thursday, Friday at ALNA. More info, go to 1080thefan.com. Um, World Baseball Classic going on, and it's a it's truly a global event. Boy, I think if, if there's one thing that I've taken away from the very little of the World Baseball Classic that I have I've caught either live or the highlights. From the highlights, we spend way too much time on the old fuddy-duddy part of baseball. (laughs) Way too much. Have you seen some of the celebrations that not only the players are doing, like when Venezuela hits a home run, what the crowd does? No, I haven't seen. It is crazy! (laughs) I Okay, just... They do chants, coordinated chants like Korea and Japan. They're kind of known, the Korean Baseball League and in Japan, they're known for having coordinated crowd chants throughout the stadium during baseball games, which we don't use that enough in our in our arsenal. Like, if you've ever gone to a World Series game or a big-time high-leverage postseason game, mm-hmm. it is like going to a four-hour football game. Like, it, like, everybody's standing, everybody's cheering, it is loud, there's buzz in the air, but that's the only time that we really get that. It is like the event in like the Korean and uh, Japanese baseball leagues that they have cheerleaders. They they go crazy and think about that. You have a hitter, right, who's trying to concentrate and the hard, he's trying to do the hardest thing in any professional sport. Why wouldn't you have thirty thousand people screaming their their heads off to try to distract distract him? Right? They do the clappers and they have the thunder sticks and all that stuff. That's great, but. The engagement that, like, you see, like, Venezuelan hit a home run yesterday, and he bat flips to the moon, and then the entire crowd looks like they're about to just, like, pour out over the dugout and onto the field because it's a mutual celebration. Like, we don't have that. For some reason, like, you better just 
uh, jog around the bases, not too slow. Yeah. But if you go too fast, then that's also going to be a problem. <laughs> and don't you look at anybody. Yeah. You keep your eyes down, you touch that bag, and you get home. Like, what are we doing here? Yeah, the unwritten rules fun. are ridiculous. Shohei Otani hits a home run last night, or uh, over the weekend. And this this Japanese girl gets a home run, and then there's, like, videos going around of, like, then they pass the ball to everybody, and they all get, like, get their picture with it, and then they give it back to her. It's like... Oh, that would never happen here. There's grown-ass American men who drop the people's elbow like they're the rock on children yeah. trying to get home run balls, and then they shove it down their pants so nobody else will get it. Like, we have the complete opposite view than the rest of the world does on all things baseball, and it is the craziest thing to me because of how fun it looks to be a fan of of baseball from another country, like from from this like other view. Now, there's one uh, celebration that I saw from another country. I believe it was Mexico. They were playing the United States last night. There's a guy behind home plate who I, I don't even think it was his own shoe. Somebody handed him a shoe, and he's like, "This is like as the game is going on." Okay, the pitchers like get get going to a set position, and this guy who's like in the box seats behind home plate gets a shoe pass to him. You see him; he's in between the view of the the catcher and the batter, like he's perfectly split. Where you have like this great view of this man who then pours a beer into said shoe and starts drinking, chugging the beer out of the shoe. I cannot get behind that one. No. My shoe or let alone somebody else's shoe. But the fact of the matter is, all of these under other countries are having way more fun than we are, and we need to change that with American baseball. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Lighten up, buttercup. Yeah. I had some friends that went, uh, they have family back in Wisconsin, and it's like pretty normal for there to be like BYOB to the Little League games. <laughs> <laughs> you sell some beers at the concession stand at the Little League game. Hey, as long as the parents can behave themselves. Which is usually a problem with them sober. Yes. So that's another issue that we got here. All right. Uh, let's get to hour number three. Um, we've got some March Madness that we need to get to. Uh, but the latest on Aaron Rodgers and where he's going to uh, land. Uh, it's all a holding pattern right now. This is Danny Dusty on the fan. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fees 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.